Let's give it up for Andy Squires. That's good, yeah. 31 minutes, but I only have 10 minutes prepared, so we'll just see what happens, all right? Well, I have a word today that I believe is a a prophetic word, and uh, you know, sometimes you hear that word and it could sound a little bit scary maybe, maybe super spiritual sounding, but um, you know, as we've, as we've heard in the past out of this pulpit, uh, the spiritual is practical and the practical is spiritual. Those, those two worlds are not divided. And so I actually have had something on my heart for quite a while now, and I was, wasn't sure when I was going to be able to release it, but I think today was a good day for this. Um, a few years ago, I was leading worship in a church on a Sunday morning, and right before I was about to get up on stage to lead worship, uh, I had this incredible emotional, uh, I don't know how to say it, but I got really mad. I got super angry. Like out of nowhere, I'm not, I'm not generally an angry person. Well, maybe unless you talk to my kids, they'd tell you differently. But I, I mean, for the most part, I'm, I'm not a mad person. But uh, I experienced this overwhelming emotion, and, and I just noticed that it came out of nowhere. So I thought to myself, man, maybe, maybe we should just repent as a church. And uh, so before I started the service, I just said this short, simple prayer of, of repentance. Because I thought, man, if nobody else is angry in the room, at least I am, and I can repent for that before we get started and clean the air and everything will be real good. But uh, Bob Jones, who's a friend of Robin's and some other people, was in the room at, at, the, at the time, and he got up after the worship and he said, uh, hey, where's the worship leader at? And he pointed to me and he said, you know, here's the thing. When you feel something, when there's an ache, when there's something going on inside of you, it's generally because God is calling you to redeem that thing. It's not necessarily going on with you. The Lord is just inviting you into something that he wants to do. So there's something about paying attention to what the Spirit is saying. And um, that's, that's who we are. We're a prophetic people. And what that means is we've got our eyes and ears open, generally speaking, to hear what the Spirit is saying and what the Spirit is doing. Amen? So this morning, um, I want to talk to you about something, a phrase. Uh, it's, it's kind of a topical message, but I want to talk to you about hospitality this morning. When was the last time anybody heard a message on hospitality? I don't think I've ever heard one, actually. I've heard a lot of people... Uh, talk about um, community and, and uh, I don't know, being the church and things like that. But I, I want to talk to you about healing hospitality. Um, and, and the reason is, is because I, I see something in the church, uh, church-wide. I, I spend a lot of time thinking about the church. It's, it's my vocation. It's what I do. And it's what I'm, um, I feel like the Lord gave me that calling a long time ago. So one of the things is I'm paying attention to that. And one of the things that I see in the church in large is that there's a lot of um, phenomenal, spectacular events going on. There's a lot of conferences. There's a lot of super spiritual things taking place within the body of Christ that are all fantastic and amazing. But one of the things that I see a shortage of is I see a shortage of healing hospitality. And what I mean by hospitality is simply this. 
It's somebody from the outside being brought into the inside. It's as simple as that. Somebody from the outside being brought into the inside and being taken care of. I have been a recipient, a beneficiary through my life of other people's hospitality in, in them bringing me somewhere into their home, to their table, to their, their church meeting, to their sporting event, to some, some time and place where they've brought me in and transformation has taken place in my own life. Now it's been interesting. We've been uh, we've been looking at the life of or the story of Zacchaeus over the last five weeks. It's been an incredible journey through that story. And one of the th- I was looking at it again this week, and it's interesting that um, Zacchaeus encounters Jesus, and the first words that come out of Jesus's mouth are, "Zacchaeus, get ready." I'm what? I'm coming to be a guest at your house. He's actually inviting himself into another man's house. He's getting ready to, to have, you know, fellowship, communion. He's, he's going to go into that guy's house in order to ex- have an exchange of hospitality. But the reality is it was Jesus who was the one who was bringing Zacchaeus in, right? Jesus opened his heart up and brought Zacchaeus in. And he didn't leave Zacchaeus in the tree, and he didn't stay down there and shout from there, you know, over and over. He said, hey, let's go to another place where we can hang together, and we can know one another. And I believe, I mean, the story doesn't explicitly say this, but I believe that it was in that exchange that Zacchaeus' life was changed. He was actually healed by the hospitality of Jesus. He saw who he was because he sat across the table of a man who saw who he was and told him who he was. Amen. Are you with me so far? Okay, I'm just stumbling through this, so bear with me. All right. Okay, so. Hospitality. It takes time. It takes presence, and presence includes being aware and present. All right? Your presence in somebody's vicinity means that you are aware and present with them. Okay? And it means that you have a willingness toward the new. It means you have a willingness to engage somebody you've never engaged in before, Somebody who might be a little bit different than you, think differently than you, talk differently than you, act differently than you. All of those things, right? So there is a prophetic call, a scriptural calling given to us as followers of Jesus to practice hospitality that heals. Okay? Now... The interesting thing is, this is an ancient calling. It's at least 2,000 years old, if not older. But we just happen to live in an age that is probably the most disconnected age of all time. We have the most information, but we are probably the, the most afflicted with loneliness, disconnection, and a major feeling of not belonging. 
Now, that's conjecture. I didn't live 100 years ago, 200 years ago, but I'm, that's just like a, a, a semi-educated guess on my, my part, right? So this is, I, when I was thinking about this, I wrote down this little thing. We no longer gather, like just society in general. I'm not talking about the church, but society in general. We no longer gather as a group or as groups around a fire. We live as individuals around a smartphone screen. Okay? So so it's important to remember... That one of the main vocations of the church is to gather with each other. So we forget that because we do this week in and week out and we, we can take it for granted and we can, it can grow tired and you can, you can lose the why of what, why we do this. But what I'm talking about is part of the why. But I'm not talking about this gathering only. It's much more than that, okay? So the church has a countercultural calling on it, on its shoulders, to bring healing hospitality into our city. All right? It's countercultural because of the age that we live in is extremely busy. It's it's extremely informed. There's a whole lot of options to, to do with your time, with your life. There's a whole lot going on. And I would, I would wager, and I think I know this because I feel this in my own heart personally, is that there's probably a greater feeling of disconnectedness with people more than in any other time in history. All right? So this countercultural calling of hospitality that is on our shoulders is challenging. It's challenging and it's difficult because of the time that we live in. And we face a few challenges to engage in hospitality. So the practice of hospitality is definitely a practice that is not without its obstacles. Okay, so here's, here's, some, here's some obstacles to hospitality. People are weird. Okay? People are weird at your church. People are weird at work. People are weird at school. That's just kind of like the number one obstacle between me and the other person and me engaging that person in some type of healthy way, okay? So here's another, here's another obstacle. We, gravit- we, we gravitate to those who we know, not who we don't. All right? These are things that I'm just talking practically here, okay? Here's another obstacle. I'm too busy, right? Everyone can relate with that, right? I don't know anybody that's not too busy. I really don't. I mean, I'm sure they exist, but I don't really know that person, all right? Here's another obstacle. My house is messy. Anybody, anybody with me? My house is too messy to be hospitable. My house is too messy to have anybody over, right? Okay, not Shelly's house. Shelly's house. Okay, here's another obstacle to hospitality. Their house is too messy. All right? Their house is too messy, all right? Here's another obstacle. People are weird. I just said that again, you know, because I'm trying to emphasize that, right? All right. Okay, another obstacle. I don't have time. People are different. Here's another thing. People are sinners, you know. Uh, 
people, there's, there's people who are liberals. We don't want to get together with them. There's people who are right-wing conservatives. We don't want to get together with them. There's, there's people who are Samaritans. There's people that are Samaritans. Okay, so everybody knows that story about the good Samaritan, right? Well, that, the, the phrase Samaritan is, is kind of lost on us a little bit, but, but in short, the Samaritan was the most disliked person, justifiably disliked person in the culture that Jesus was talking to. So in Jesus's world, in Jesus's um, uh, explanation of who God is, of who you and I are as people and, and what we should be doing as people of God is he throws the ultimate monkey wrench, the ultimate obstacle in front of these people that he's talking to. And he says, go find the person that you're least like. And that's the person that I want you to know. That's the person that I want you to break bread with. That's the person that I want you to allow to have access to your life. And I want you to have access to their life. So there is a recipe book in the Bible or a recipe for hospitality. You know, there's, there's, there's somewhere in the scripture where Paul, the apostle, talks about, um, you know, entertain strangers when they come to your door because you might be entertaining angels, right? That, that's a nice thing. You should do that, but that's not really what I'm talking about, okay? There's this other Jesus model for hospitality, okay? And the things that Jesus said, when we read them after having read the Bible year after year after year, we can maybe miss the power of them, but when Jesus is saying these things, he's talking to people, namely the Pharisees. These were the religious leaders of the day. They had a mindset concerning who God was and what he was like. All right? So in the history of Israel, there was a time when Israel as a nation went through a really hard stretch. Their cities were destroyed and the people of Israel got taken out of Israel or Judah and they went far away to the land of Babylon and they lived there in exile for many years. And after a certain point in time, they began to make their way back out of exile, back to Israel And when they got there, they had figured out that the reason why they had left or their their nation had been destroyed and they had gone to Babylon is because they hadn't kept the law accurately. And there, there was a group of people that arose to power and their main job was to make sure that people kept the law accurately. Guess who they were? They were the Pharisees. The Pharisees in Jesus' time were the keepers of the law, and it was their job to help the people in their community obey God to the degree that he would someday come back, that Messiah would come. They were experts at the law. They were experts at keeping the law. 
But at some point, they began to miss the point of what God had been saying to them all of those years. So Jesus shows up, and he starts saying the most revolutionary things to these people that were very contradictory to the way they believed at that time. So a Pharisee would tell you, if a Pharisee was preaching here right now, he would say, never, ever engage with a Samaritan. They're less than human. They don't believe like us. They don't think like us. And you should, I mean, not only never interact with them, but definitely, definitely don't help them and don't break bread with them. Okay? But in Luke chapter 6, Jesus gets to this point and he starts saying crazy things like this. Do good to your enemies. Love your enemies. This is all stuff you guys have heard before, but this is all the way we have to take into our hearts. This is, this is really a recipe for hospitality, okay? Do good to your enemies. Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those that hurt you. When someone strikes your cheek, give them the other. If someone wants your coat, give them your shirt too. Even sinners have those who love them. Even sinners love those who do good to them. Then he says this, when you do this, you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. See, Jesus has just opened up the entire world to hospitality at this point. He's, he's, he's bringing everybody on the margin into the inside, just like he did with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was an outcast in society, and he, through that healing hospitality, brought him into the inside. Jesus is he's including the entire world in this recipe. He's saying, listen, Everybody that you engage, those people that you have called enemies, no longer call them enemies, but love them, break bread with them, give them your shirt, give them your cloak too. If they speak ill of you, bless them. If they curse you, pray for them. That's, that's what we do as children of God. We're setting the table for our, our community that we live in to come into the household of God. Amen. Are you with me? So the call to hospitality is really a call to making disciples. It's a call to caring for each other in the love of God. Because truthfully, we each need to know that we're loved and we each need to know that we belong. Much of what we do need, we have to get from the Lord Ourselves, Like you have a relationship with Jesus, right? I have a relationship with Jesus. There are some things that you have to settle with the Lord. There are some things that you have to walk with the Lord. And only you can do that. But then there are other things that you can't get from anybody else except for another person. And so often that transaction... It's going to happen in a hospitable environment. 
So we have to receive love and we have to care from, we have to receive care from another in order to have our hearts strengthened. My life has been radically changed because over the years people have invited me into their houses and they have spoken words of life into my life. They have spoken words of blessing. Sometimes they have even spoken a word of correction. Sometimes people around me even have to believe for me when I don't have the strength to believe. You know what? That's what the church is good for. You walk with people because sometimes you get up in the morning and you don't have the strength to believe, but your brothers and your sisters that you're walking with, that you are breaking bread, they have the strength to carry that for you. I, I had a friend who used to say this to me. He said, Andy, everybody is trying to throw off the chains of the church, but the chains of the church are, are meant for us to carry through life. And I was like, what do you mean by that? He's like, well, it's just, it's just this idea that, um, you know, we go through life in, in the way we think about God and the way we believe God about God. Those things are always in transition, but 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 the when you when you first received Jesus and when you came to know the Lord and you came into the community of faith, you should have been marked in such a way that when when times get tough, when when there are there are storms in your life, there's things that you can't carry yourself. The church is carrying those things for you and with you. We don't want to run away from those things because those are really life givers for us. Amen. But something happens when we open our hearts up to another person and we give them what we have. But there is an inherent danger in practicing hospitality. When you create connection with other people, you will inevitably experience somebody else's pain as your own. Let me say that again. When you create connection with, an, with another person, you will inevitably experience somebody else's pain as your own. And that's not always easy. You know, that, that's, that's the whole people are weird part, you know? When, when, you, when you begin engaging with somebody, you're going to find out their strengths and their weaknesses. And the challenge for you and I is, do we stop there or do we go the distance? Do we stop there or do we keep going? So their pain becomes your pain. And that is the call of the believer. You take on the pain of the world in order to heal it. Because you cannot heal what you are disconnected from. You cannot heal what you are disconnected from. If we are called as believers, as followers of Jesus... To bring the healing power of Jesus into this world. We cannot do that from afar. 
We cannot do that with each other from afar. But we have to go into unknown places. We have to tend towards the unknown. In, into the awkward. You know, it's always, it's, it's awkward to get to know a new person sometimes, isn't it? How many of you guys watch, have ever seen Downton Abbey or anything on Masterpiece Theater? I'm, I'm always amazed by 18th century English people. Because everything was so precise. Everybody knew what to say all of the time. There was, there was protocol for every engagement. We live in an age where there's no longer any protocol. It's very interesting. But, but I've noticed that. But because of that lack of protocol, it's hard for people to know how to enter into a simple, hello, how are you doing today type of a conversation. It's hard for me. Anybody, any, is that hard for anybody else? This is just kind of like, this is part of being human, right? But I just believe that if we can get a, if we can see that calling and that vision, how important it is to bring each other in to our hearts and to begin cultivating a, a community where hospitality is, is oozing out of everything we do. We're going to be making disciples. We're going to, those that are coming into our midst are going to go deeper in their walk with Jesus. Friendships will, will grow stronger in our midst. So when, when, you know, when things do get hard, you know where to go. You have a friend to lean on. Have you ever felt like you didn't have a friend have you ever felt like you were going through something and there was nobody reaching out to you to help you through that? Now, take that feeling and recognize that as the invitation from God to be what you want for somebody else. That's the thing. That's the key right there. Because we could get trapped, couldn't we? We could get trapped in the gosh, nobody's meeting my need. We could get trapped in that idea of like, well, nobody's praying for me. Nobody's blessing me. Nobody's inviting me out to lunch. Nobody's taking me into their home. But that's the invitation of the Spirit for you to be for somebody else what you would have them do to you. So when we practice this healing hospitality, people get saved. People get saved. They do. My parents used to talk about in the 70s when they when they got saved in the Jesus movement that they were kids then. But kids used to come over to their house and they would just cook dinner and people would get saved because they were just talking about Jesus all the time. When we practice hospitality, people get healed. So the things that 
the, the insecurities and the weaknesses that people have been carrying around for their whole lives, when they, when they come into your home where you've created a safe place or there's some type of safe community happening and people begin to be vulnerable with the things that are going on in their lives and the things that they have been carrying through their lives, you might not even have an answer for that person, but you have a listening ear. That creates an environment of faith that brings healing to those people. And it's, it's mysterious. You can't even say why that happens. I know this because this has happened to me in my life when I've been weak and I have, I've shared a table with somebody who brought me in just saying those things outside of my mouth and having that person listen has been everything for me. And then they might even pray for you and that's just like even, it's, it's incredible, right? The gift of prayer. When somebody just is praying for you in that, that place, when you practice the, the hospitality, people get saved, they get healed, and they become like Jesus. They grow as disciples of Jesus. They grow as followers of Jesus. So the name of this church is Queen City Church. If, I hope you knew that, but that's where you are. So I like that name a whole lot because it really... It defines who we are. We are a city church. And when you're, a, when you're a city church, community and hospitality has unique challenges. There's different challenges for us being a city church than, say, we, if we lived in a little town 100 miles from here in the mountains somewhere where there were only 300 people in the whole town. And church was the only thing. It was the center of, of the town, right? So... So we have different challenges as um, a city church. And um, I don't even know what they are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. Okay. So we are a city church, and we live and move, and we have our being within the city. And I believe that this is what we're called to. I'm not saying that as a negative thing. I'm saying this is great. We are exactly where we should be. And cities, of course, are very fast-moving places. And they tend to move us along faster than maybe our hearts were made for. But I always, I always look at, at the church as, as a colony of heaven. We're like a colony of heaven on the earth. So we, we, we have been colonized. We're, we are ambassadors. We're citizens of the kingdom of God on the earth, right? And even though we live in the city, the pace of our colony is just a little different. The pace of our community is a little different because the pace that we're being invited to is the pace of the Holy Spirit. And he's leading us into these places where hospitality can take place. Our, our challenge is just to answer that call. And, and it's really simple. It's really simple. So I, I live in Mooresville, so I'm a commuter. I, I, a couple weeks ago, I was talking to two other families in the church. Uh, somebody lived in Matthews. Another, another person lived out near Monroe. And I said, you know what I've determined as a, as a commuter into a city church, I have figured out that I'm going to be committed to drive anywhere I'm invited. 
I'm just going to go because that's just the world I live in. If I want to, if I want to break bread with somebody, I'm going to get in my car and go do it. Right? We don't have the best public transportation. We don't have subway. We got cars. Let's use them, people. <laughs> I mean, I'm getting real practical right here, you know? Um, oh, it's 11.30. Okay. All right. So just a couple other thoughts, too, guys. Just, just make a pot of soup for somebody. You know, just get a, get a recipe. It doesn't have to be fancy. Make some soup and invite somebody over to your house. We don't care if your house isn't clean. You know, we don't care if you have your act together. You know, I, I for one, don't care if any of you have your act together in regards to any of this that I'm talking about. You know, I mean, I think the only way to engage in anything that I'm talking about is to just expect that none of this are going to do, do this very well, right? But it's just doing it. It's just stepping into it. It's just rejoicing in the fact that we have each other and we get to share this life together. But it's not us only. This is the thing. This is the mission that God, that Jesus gave us with which to bring the world that is in out in the margins, into the inside. And it's for everybody. Amen? Amen. All right, it's 1132. I'm going to close this out in prayer. Is that okay, Robin? Or do you want to do it? Okay. Yeah, thank you, Shelly. Yes, good job, Andy. A friend of mine, actually one of my first pastors, I had a Harry Bazell was a pastor for my pastor for probably 12 years, and he used to say, um, "Self-consciousness or selfishness is the landing pad for demonic oppression." And I remember probably the most depressing time of my life was just before it was right out of college. I was living by myself, and it was before I got married, and I had a terrible, terrible bout with depression. And a friend of mine came, picked me up one day, and said, we're going to Carowinds. I didn't want to go to Carowinds. But he said, we're going to Carowinds. So somehow they got me in the car, went to Carowinds. You know, two or three roller coasters later, I felt pretty good. (laughs) But there really is something. You can save somebody's life by doing something that seems so unspiritual just by helping them break out and 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 get free so yeah it was burl webb took me to carowinds and saved my life then i met this dear lady i married her and she's kept me out of depression all these years so really jesus has let's pray against self-focus and depression how many of you want to do that would you stand up with me let's battle against some of this stuff that nobody ought to have Father, we proclaim in the name of Jesus that to be hopeless or to be in despair is to buy into a belief system that is not true. And we release power in the name of Jesus against all self-focus, all introspection, all depression. Right now, we break its power and we release, Lord, uh, a sense of confidence and a sense of faith Uh, a capacity to reach out beyond ourselves and touch other people's lives. 
And we just ask, Lord, that you would do this in the name of the resurrected one. The one whom no thing can conquer or prohibit or stop. The mighty one, the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay. We have ministry teams this morning. I would like to invite any of you that needs ministry to come up. And if you'll gather right over here in this corner, we'll be glad to pray for you. We have people trained to do that. And it's 1134. You got plenty of time to hang out with people to meet new folks. And uh, God bless you. Have a great week.